much when you take holiday from your paid position or whatever it is, or you decide to do something else, there is a sacrifice that is kind of laid down. And in my experience, fire always falls on sacrifice. Okay, There is something about it. I think there is, you know, in the Old Testament that there are patterns of life that are set up for Israel where three times a year they were told to set apart sometimes up to 10 days to go to a place where the Lord had chosen to put his name and literally to feast in the presence of the Lord. They would go and take their tithes and uh, go and gather together with, other gods, with God's other people and they would literally feast in the presence of the Lord. And I, I personally, I think it is, um, it, it's something which we need it's uh, it's something which I need. You know, we live full on lives, don't we? Um, I'm uh, as well as leading this church with my wife, Heather, over there, who's looking after Judah, who, who fancies go on the drums at this precise moment. Yes, as every two year old does. Um, as well as leading this, we run a, a software business just down the road with about 10 employees. And uh, we're in the middle of a building project. We bought five acres of land. Life is pretty full on at the moment. There aren't many gaps in there. And sometimes you need to intentionally take some space. And as Bryony said, breathe. Breathe. And it's not just resting. It is actually coming into his presence and getting recharged, refilled, reinvigorated, revisioned, and um, hopefully setting you on the right track for the next bit. Okay, life goes in journeys. And I think every time we've come here uh, to Kingdom Life School for the five-day course, it's amazing. Every single year, something happens. It is a significant time of year. I mean, I'm not just meeting with God, not just encountering his presence, but we get major breakthroughs. We get breakthroughs in the business. We get breakthroughs in the church. We get breakthroughs in in healing, not just focused on what happens in here, but it seems to ripple out. And there is something about this autumn feast time where we come together and just choose to be in the presence of God that seems to activate something. So what I, the reason I'm saying all of this is to um, hopefully put in you a sense of expectation. It's like I say, I don't know what you've come expecting. Maybe you've come expecting to receive some useful information. Okay, forget that. Uh, you, you may have come to meet some new people. Yay, we can do that. Okay, and uh, spend some time together. But really, the, the main purpose for me coming here is uh, for myself to encounter God in a new way and his Holy Spirit and to hopefully kind of help lead you into that place as well, uh, because that's what he wants. And that's what we're going to look at. We're, uh, as Bryony said, we're looking at kind of various, various aspects of um, uh, Jesus' life uh, his death, his resurrection, his blood, all of this sort of stuff through this week. Very loosely, I would say. (laughs) I've been given the, um, what was it, Jesus says, follow me. I mean, that could be anything, couldn't it, really? But really what I want to focus on in this time is 
the fact that we are designed to experience God, not just know about him, not just about head knowledge. We're, we're actually designed to live in relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we are supposed to have kind of very clear revelations of those things and experience of living life with those, with those three elements of the amazing trinity, the, the Godhead. So, obviously, Jesus, right at the beginning of his ministry, he had sort of 30 years of being a good son and an apprentice carpenter, uh, where he was kind of went through life and, and did good life things, hopefully made good choices. It says he was without sin, so he must have made some pretty good choices. Uh, but when he began his ministry, he went out and he picked his 12 disciples, didn't he? And they were all incredibly unsuspecting people, I, I would gather. I don't think they were very well known to him. They were people that he met as he was, as the, as the father directed him to go on a journey. And he, he would uh, come, up, come up to them and say, hey guys, why not follow me? Why don't you leave everything that you have known and feel secure with, all your financial security, all your friends, your family, your job, your boats, your whatever, and just come and follow me? And they said, yeah, why not? That's normal, isn't it? But he would pick these people and they would clearly respond to something that they saw in him right from the beginning and say, yeah. He's got something that I want, therefore I'm going to follow. Therefore, I'm going to let go of some of the things which are dear to me. And maybe they're not. Maybe Peter wasn't actually a very good fisherman. There is the story of how he was fishing all night and didn't catch a single thing. So perhaps he wasn't that good. Uh, and he thought, well, yeah, this is a good opportunity for a change. Let's, uh, let's leave the boats and go and follow him. But, you know, Jesus picked people that I think weren't particularly good at what they did. They weren't superstars, is what I'm saying. And if you look at the change that happened in the three years from when Jesus picked them to when he died and uh, went to heaven, you know, and Peter, who went from potentially an illiterate fisherman, not very good fisherman or whatever, to one of the biggest jobs in the world. He was the first pope, wasn't he? It was like, that's, that's promotion. That is really, the whole church, he wasn't really Pope. Okay, I don't want to, we're not, we're not really, but the Catholics think he is. But, you know, Jesus said to him on, on, on this rock, Peter, on you, I'm going to build like the whole church, you know, and that he called him Peter, the rock from, from that moment. So he kind of went from this illiterate fisherman into a completely world-changing uh, person that kind of rocked the whole region and kind of saw one of the greatest moves of God that the world has ever seen, where um, you know literally a whole city went into revival that and then spread out into the region and affected the whole world. And and now, I mean, Christianity. If you if you're counting all of the Catholics and the Protestants uh, together, I mean. I, uh, is it about two billion? I think now have uh, a third of the world's population are believers at this pr precise moment. I mean that's extraordinary. Two thousand years later. So what was it that took him from an illiterate fisherman 
to being this kind of world changer that not only began a, a move of God, but somehow or other um, managed to replicate it and sustain it over multiple generations. And I would propose to you it was being with Jesus that made the difference. It was actually being with her. It was encountering him. It was being with him, not only to receive. He didn't just give him a manual to say, this is how you're going to build the church, Peter. But he actually, um, by spending time with him, he got to know him. He got to see his ways. He began to perceived the vision of what the kingdom was like. He, he saw what the kingdom was like. Jesus demonstrated it very clearly over the three years, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, walking on water, feeding the 10,000, you know, seeing miracles. Those are the things that began to change him and change the way he thought. So he made this journey from being a fisherman to a world changer. Now, it took Peter three years. We reckon we can do it in one week. What do you reckon? <laughs> Just spend a bit of time with Jesus and uh, it's going to happen. So what KLS is Kingdom Life School for the uninitiated amongst you. KLS, we call it that, is we, we try to do a number of things. As I say, we're not experts in anything. We're not... We haven't kind of spent hundreds of years at Bible college and um, we haven't got doctorates and PhDs and all of these different things. Um, but what we have got is like a passion for God. We've got a passion to not just know about God, but to know him and to be known by God, you know, at, which is what I would call intimacy with God, to, to be known by him and to know him. It's that kind of thing that, comes through an intimate relationship and we we recognize that um you know life is is very much a journey that we go on and and you kind of move through this journey and and all of us want everything all at once but you know I've been a Christian a very long time uh, 40 years plus and I know that it's a journey and that God has led me into different places at different times to challenge me to move me from where I was quite comfortable into something where I was uncomfortable but moving forward. And then after a while, I've become comfortable in that new uncomfortable place. And then he moves me on again. Okay, It's like he challenges me all through this journey. And we recognize that. And so one of the things that we want to do in KLS is to encourage you on that journey. Well, number one, for you to recognize that you've got a journey. Um, you know, there's the five-day Kingdom Life School, and then we also do a longer thing, which kind of kicks off at the end of this, where we gather together on a Thursday night and all day Friday for 30 weeks through the rest of the year. And uh, and on both of them, there's a there's a, a micro macro macro journey micro journey on this five days, but then there's a macro journey that goes on in the following 30 weeks. And what we're looking to do is to begin to get into you somewhere a sense of identity, a sense of who you are, that you are really special to God, that God knows you, he knows you by name, and that he has created um, a prophetic destiny for you. Okay, you, There is something for you to step into. A few scriptures, we should get a few scriptures in really. 
Uh, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So that's God speaking to Jeremiah. Okay, and, and saying that before he was even a, a twinkle in his parents' eyes, God knew him and had set him apart for works to do that he would then begin to step into. Ephesians 2.10, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not uh, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk into them. Okay, so do we believe in a predestination? Well, I think the Bible does. It's, it's clearly saying that before we were even born, God created something for us, like a framework, which we were to seek out and step into. It's like a game of hide and seek. And sometimes it's a bit of a tough game of hide and seek when it all goes a bit quiet and you wonder what the next step is. But, you know, it is nevertheless that. And God has created a prophetic destiny for us. Jeremiah 29, 11, when he's talking to Israel this time, says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. They're to give you a future and a hope. Okay. So this is kind of laying the foundation. There is a plan for every single person in this room. God has an amazing plan, uh, an exciting plan. And uh, what he wants to do is to get you along the journey into a position where you're ready to step into into that plan. And sometimes that's a long journey. You know, and sometimes the individual stages of that journey can seem to go very quickly. Sometimes there's an acceleration and sometimes there's a very patient waiting that goes on. I know this, 40 years a Christian, and I've got some amazing promises over my life, which I know are true, but they don't come quick enough for me. And uh, what I've come to learn is they don't come quick enough for me because I'm not ready to step into them. I'm not ready to receive them. And uh, hopefully as the week goes out, you'll begin to learn a little bit more about that. Um, right. One of, one of the things that we are really uh, kind of hot on in Kingdom Life School is learning to hear God's voice. It is so, so important. I went on a, uh, a, a leader's school um, back in 2004 and uh, they had an amazing uh, three-day section of this course called Communion with God by a guy called Mark Verkler which is learning how to hear God's voice and um, he was a uh, typical what you might call a left brain person I think he was an accountant or something no comment on accountants um, well, I've met some very spiritual accountants but you know, our brains work in slightly different ways, don't they? The right-hand side of the brain uh, apparently uh, controls the left-hand side of our body, but also it is responsible for our intuitive sort of side, our artistic side, our appreciation of music. That it all kind of, when you're listening to music and they do a brain scan, that is the side that's buzzing. 
Okay? The left-hand side of the brain uh, does the rational stuff. It does the number crunching. It does the list-making. It does the orderly kind of part of life. And um, we can sometimes be sort of quite left-brain dominant, and, and many of us in this country are because of our education system, because our education system teaches you to learn, 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 spill it back, spill it back, spill it back, learn, learn, learn. It's kind of learning by rote, and uh, that sort of process strengthens that left side of the brain. And um, whereas the right-hand side of the brain is stimulated by music, by art, by dreaming, and so on. And so some people are right-brain dominant, some people are left-brain dominant. But the good news is we both have both sides. And we're actually supposed to use both sides. And over the years, I, I think probably as a child, I was very right brain dominant because I was a big dreamer and used to get in a lot of trouble for not paying attention in school uh, because my mind would be off somewhere. I'd be kind of walking through fields and, and read, are you listening? Chalk <laughs> flying through the air, hit me on the side of the head. But that was my right brain. I was kind of disappearing off into that activity. And, uh, but then running a business and uh, having to go through university, doing engineering, software, all of this stuff, I've had to strengthen that side. And so now if I do one of these little tests, I come out pretty much 50-50. Um, and, I, you know, that's all right. It works for me. But the, where, the place that we hear the voice of God, I believe, is very much in that right brain side. And so... If, if we have uh, trained up the left-hand side of our brain to become very strong uh, and the, the right side has been neglected a little bit, then we sometimes find that quite difficult. And Mark Verkler, who is very, very left-brain, came up with this thing. He's thinking, how do you hear God's voice? What does it sound like? It would really annoy him when people would come up and say, oh, God just said to me, blah, 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 you know, and all of this. And how? I didn't hear it. It was like, what does, it, what does his voice sound like? And he's, he spent a whole year of his life beginning to learn and train himself to hear God's voice. And that's one of the things that we would do on the year-long Kingdom Life School, is to uh, teach people um, uh, how to begin to hear God's voice for themselves. Because we're not designed to live in a world where uh, just kind of the big prophetic voice comes along and gives you a word and, oh, yeah, that's right, I've got to do that now and, and then disappear for a year until you come back on a conference again and someone gives you another prophetic word. We are designed to live in relationship and experience relationship with the living God. Okay, but we put a very high value on the prophetic, and I put a very high value on the prophetic. I've had some significant prophetic words from people over the years, uh, and it's really helped me to produce a blueprint for my life. And, okay, this is what God's got for me. This is where I'm going. Um, we, we, we take these words seriously. We write them down, and we begin to pray about them. And we see which ones resonate with what, what we feel God's been speaking to us, which ones are confirmed by other voices, and, and suddenly, okay, this is kind of where he wants us to go. And so you can begin to take life choices to move you towards, those, uh, towards that goal. And you can begin to, rather than making choices which take you further away from it, just random things that come along, oh, this looks good, let's do this, um, you can actually begin 
to build towards your destiny. So understanding and knowing your prophetic destiny is really important. And that's why we put a high value on the prophetic, because otherwise, how will we know? How will we know what God wants for us if unless we're hearing his voice and that we can actually put some weight on it? So that's a big part of what we're doing. Um, We will be doing some prophetic activation this week. So you will all be prophesying over someone else by the end of this week. It'll be really exciting and a lot of fun. And I look forward to receiving the words which you get for me. Um, But another another thing that we like to kind of uh, come at is where we've got areas of wrong thinking. Uh, And... You know, from the way that we've uh, been brought up, from the things that we've been involved in, our past experience, we can develop pretty entrenched wrong patterns of thinking. For example, and I quote this one, so forgive me for everyone who's been here before, the yacht start yawning soon. Um, but, you know, For quite a number of years, I have had a little bit of a problem with the area of healing. Because, you know, the Bible says these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And you think, okay, that's it. The Bible is truth. It's it's there. That's that's kind of what's going to happen. But actually, my experience is you lay hands on the sick and you may catch what they've got. Or they may get a bit worse or something. Or nothing may happen. You know, and that's my experience. Now, I've got my experience on one side and I've got the word of God on the other side. The question is, which one am I going to hold in higher authority Which one am I going to allow to speak into my life and direct the way I think? Am I going to hold my experience in higher authority or am I going to hold the word of God in higher authority? And, you know, part of the journey that we do in in KLS over the week and over the year long course is to actually begin to change the way we think. We, we need, what we need to do is to not say, oh, well, my experience says, you know, people get sick and therefore begin to develop a theology around it that supports that experience. Oh, God's teaching us a lesson through this. He's producing character. He's, he's doing this, that and the other, you know, and, and it's, it's easily done. It's, you know, it's, it's not difficult to do because God can actually work through all circumstances. He makes all circumstances work together for good. But... At the end of the day, when you go back and you look at the word and you look at Jesus and Jesus, who, who, whom we call perfect theology, because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. OK, so you can look at Jesus and have a really good idea of what's in the father's heart. Well, he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he cleansed the leper. And he fed the hungry. And every time he did one of these things, he said, look, the kingdom of God has just come near you. And so if we look at that and say, that is God's way. I don't think, I I haven't read a verse where Jesus actually gave a sickness to someone. He only ever healed them. 
You know, and wherever Jesus came, you see him coming against the works of the enemy. It says in Acts 2.38 where it says, Jesus went about doing good and destroying the works of the devil. You know, that's what he did. He, whenever he came across it, he said, well, that's of the devil. Be healed in the name of Jesus. And so we've got our experience, which says it doesn't work. And we've got the word of God and we've got Jesus' pattern, which says it should work. That's the way God has decreed it. And therefore, we begin to make a demand on ourselves. We say, OK, experience, you have got to come in line with the word of God. I am not taking no for an answer. This is, what we're, this is the journey we're on. This is what we're doing. And, you know, I, I don't care how many people I pray for. I believe it's true. I believe it's true. And I believe we're going to see it begin to burst forth, even in these days. And one of the prophetic words that we were talking about, you know, uh, dear Isabel Allen, who's a, a lovely prophetic voice, who's, who's going to be here in the beginning of September at Catch the Fire. Not here, but Catch the Fire in Bournemouth. Um, she prophesied over us and she said, there is... Uh, She's kind of asking the Lord about me. I, I was there as a leader and um, she said, I can see your area and I, I can see there is a huge healing well in your area that is about to spring up. It is about to kind of come forth. And, it, and she said, it's appointed to you to begin to open this uh, healing well. And when that healing well springs up, it is going to be like when the disciples were fishing all night long and hadn't caught a thing. Yeah, at your word, they put their nets down again. One more time. One more time. And the nets came up so full that they couldn't even land the catch. And they had to get other boats to come and help them to bring the catch in. And, you know, for me, this is one of our key prophetic words. Not only does it speak of seeing healing released, but it speaks of breakthrough. I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in breakthrough, okay? I, I'm not into just kind of improving things by 5%. I, th I feel like things need to happen. I feel like we need to just get into this place of breakthrough where, you know, we're not even praying for people to get healed. People just come into the worship and pew, demons start fleeing. Sicknesses start falling away where people you know as the as the nation of Israel did as they walked through the wilderness and they had the presence of God with them there was no sickness amongst them their clothes didn't wear out you know it was like this kind of divine health and favor was upon them and I, and you know I believe I believe that's possible I believe that's there now we're living in a fallen world and there's all sorts of rubbish going on and so it's a constant kind of battle to see the kingdom come uh, get in, in a place where the world is fallen. So you ask me the question, why isn't it happening every time? Well, because we're seeing the kingdom come and that's, that's our job to, to begin to progressively proclaim, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bit by bit, day by day, every footstep, every footstep that we take, that is our commission that we're to bring about the kingdom. And I think progressively, as the time draws near for Jesus to come back, 
um, or we pass away or whatever, um, we will do it day by day by day. And we'll see the kingdom come more and more and more. Um, and then finally, when we're up in glory, as our dear sister Beatty is, who passed away this weekend, you know, she's in glory celebrating and there is no sickness, there is no pain, there is no nothing. That's how we can pray with confidence, you know. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I'm pretty sure there's not any sickness in heaven. There's no pain and there's no suffering and there's no, no more tears. It's clear about that. And so, you know, we're to pray, let that kingdom come here. But we have to overcome our wrong thinking. And so again, we, we just like begin to stir one another up and say, go on, have another go. Doesn't matter it didn't work before. Let's do it again because this is what the Bible says. And as we gather together, as we encourage one another, as we bring prophetic words of encouragement over one another and exhort one another to get on and do it, you know, we begin to see the kingdom break out. I had a, I had a lovely little story over the weekend, actually. We, last year on KLS, I, I and Sue and uh, Mike there and Bryony who was there and and Manuela who is also who's so small I can't see her but I suspect she's on the floor somewhere oh there you are right at the back we all went over to uh, France and we went to a little place near Angoulême to minister with a church there and do an equipping weekend and we met some lovely people dear, dear people and uh just at the weekend, we got a message from them, um, from the pastor of that church, and says, please would you remember Natalie in your prayers. Natalie was a lady that translated for us. She's had an accident. She's gone into hospital, and she's ruptured the bones in, in her arm, her right arm. They've become completely disconnected. Uh, she's had some x-rays, and they've confirmed that's what th has happened, and they're going to do some other scans tomorrow and stuff like that. But we're praying for a supernatural, miraculous intervention. And I sent a little reply. Fortunately, I had a good French friend, Helen, with us at the moment. So she, she, she wrote the French reply for me. Uh, but I said, we're standing with you. Amen. We're praying for complete restoration and healing. And we're standing with you. The very next day, I got an email back from Natalie, who uh, is a very good English speaker, and said, Phil, I wanted to update you on the, on the thing we... Uh, as I was uh, in hospital yesterday, uh, waiting for scans and everything, I felt the Lord drop into my heart the verse from Ezekiel 37, uh, the valley of the dry bones, okay? And, and how uh, the Lord spoke to Ezekiel and said, prophesy to the bones and tell them to come together. And so she made this declaration over her own arm and said, bones, come together. Perhaps with a... Bones come together. <laughs> she might have even said it in French. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Anyway, she said, I felt the bones move inside my arm. It was a kind of a weird feeling, but I felt something begin to happen. They came and did the full scan and there was no rupture at all. No one was more surprised than I was. <laughs> I have to confess, okay? As I say, my faith for healing is not the highest. However, we're coming through. It's we're changing the way we think. 
you know? And it, honestly, on these things, it only takes one breakthrough and suddenly you start to think a different way. Suddenly you think, man, anything's possible. Anything is possible. And, but we celebrate it. And, we, and, you know, one of the things we do in KLS is really celebrate the good news. We start off every day with the good news. What's happened? What's, the, what's God been up to? You know, because it really encourages and says, yes, God's on the move. He can do these things. He's coming. You know, it's breakthrough is coming. So Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. I think that applies to women as well. Um, but the way we think is actually what we kind of step into. And if we think, say, say for example, if we think, oh, well, I don't ever experience God. If that's how we think, then that can be your experience. Okay, so we have a we have a little thing that was taught to our uh, taught to us a few years ago by our good friend Steve Backland. So when we come out with these declarations over there over our lives, like "Oh, I'm a hard to receive person," we say, "Let's just laugh at that, shall we?" <laughs> and we kind of make ourselves laugh at them because that is a lie. That's a lie. That's your experience, but it's a lie. Because you are not a hard-to-receive person. You are a person who is designed to live in a place of encounter with the living God. You are designed just like Adam and Eve did. They walked with him in the cool of the day. They heard his voice. They experienced his presence. They, they lived and stepped into kind of a wonderful world of encounter and fulfillment you are designed to, be, to move and live in that same place. And that is the truth. And so you need to start making some opposite declarations over your life. And you say, actually, I find it really easy to receive. I'm going to have the most amazing encounters with God this week. Amen. I received that prophetic word, Phil. Thank you. So we need to... We need to correct the way we think. And so KLS is not so much a detailed kind of breakdown of the scriptures and in the Greek word, this means this and that and the other and the old ancient Aramaic. And if you stand on your head and turn around three times, this is what it means. We don't get into that level of detail. We're, we're into standing on what we know, on the revelation which we have received and we can, we can just read from the stories. Some of it is not complicated. You don't need to be a scholar to understand that by these signs, you know, those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's, it's kind of quite simple, really. If you believe and you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. That's what the Bible says. And so rather than trying to dig in and find reasons why it might not be true, we want to grab hold of it and say, that's mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have that. I'm going to lay hands on some sick person and they're going to recover. And we command our experience to come in line with what the word of God says. So, Yeah, another scripture, out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. So quite often what we say is kind of actually what we believe inside. So we, we need to begin to change and dismantle some of those ungodly beliefs. 
Um, so really, we're about transformation and activation rather than information. Okay, there's a few shins in there. Um, Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's Romans 12.2. And if there was one scripture that I think hangs over the whole of Kingdom Life School, it's that one. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You know, I, we, we could have some testimonies of people who've, who've been on Kingdom Life School before, but particularly the year long. I mean, for, for many years, we didn't see a lot of people get saved. We didn't see many people kind of pray the prayer of salvation or whatever. And it was because of that, it was like a lot of people's worst nightmare. It's like, oh, do I got to go and do evangelism and stuff like that? Because it was so unfruitful. But... You know, over this year, over this two years that we've been doing the year-long school, we have seen, I mean, Jan will probably correct me because she's the uh, course historian who's been <laughs> writing down and recording all the results. But I think it's over 100 people have given their lives to the Lord over the two years. As we've gone out, These are some people have stood up in the middle of Poole High Street with everyone walking past and saying, yeah, yeah, I'll pray. I'll pray to know Jesus. I want to know him. And, you know, some, and this is through some of the activities that we've done, the treasure hunting, going out, finding people and, and proving to them that they are God's special treasure and that he's, he's really interested in them. And of those people, over 100 people. That's kind of like probably, what, 60 weeks worth. That's just over a year's worth of Kingdom Life School. Over a hundred people. It's really exciting. I mean, I mean, they're not all sitting in seats in the lighthouse as we do our kind of mission trips down into pool and stuff. But, you know, whenever you lead someone into a place of salvation like that, you're, you're beginning a journey which is completely unstoppable from that moment. We don't have to control every single bit. And the fact that someone has met with God. Now, if you'd have asked the people at the beginning of the course, if you'd have asked Jan at the beginning of the course, could you do that? Jan is the most prolific one out of all of them now. She's just like, there is no stopping her. There's, there's barely a week goes by when there's not another half a dozen people that have given their lives to the Lord. As she's gone out into doing spirit cafes and stuff like this. It, it, it's extraordinary, extraordinary. But if you'd have asked people at the beginning of the journey, could you see yourself doing that? <laughs> you'd have said, you've got to be joking. There is no way. And uh, But people have done it and so God has begun that transformation process and it's purely well some of it's because at some stages you're made to do it but as <laughs> the right anything good worth having you've got to move yourself from where you are at the moment into some new territory and sometimes that's can be a little bit uncomfortable did I like going out treasure hunting on the streets of Ongolem Honestly, it's hard enough in English, let alone going out in French and going out, going out with this kind of little, uh, where was she from? Cambodian. Cambodian, like about four foot tall. She knows no fear whatsoever. And we'll go up to this group of 12 drunken 
uh, people on the street and just say, I think you're my treasure, you know, and in French, of course. And, oh, my goodness, I'm thinking this is a good place for a knifing, you know, let alone seeing self. But she would just push through and, and got through to the person who met every single one of the clues on her bit of paper and said, yeah, I'm an alcoholic and I'm desperate. I'm addicted to alcohol and I need God's help. Will you pray for me? In the middle of this group. Oh, man. But, yeah, there's some uncomfortable bits that you have to face into. But actually, as you begin to change the way you think, you realize, actually, it's, it's not as difficult as you thought it was. God is good. Right, it's a journey. Let God transform you. Change the way we think. Yeah. So, let's, I'm just kind of seeing where I got to. Sometimes I speak on things that are not in the notes whatsoever, and, and then I get a bit lost and think, where have I got up to? So, KLS is really, for, for me, it's about a place of encounter. So, some of these things, you know, you, you, it's very difficult to step out and do some of these things unless you're really convinced that he's real. He is with you, and his, his Holy Spirit has kind of filled you up. It's, it's challenging to do those things, but the more you become convinced of his reality and his purposes and his plans in your life, this kind of boldness begins to rise up. And uh, I think meeting with God and experiencing his presence is one of the kind of main things that we're looking at. Uh, I... I, I I make no bones about it. It is, for me, it has completely changed my life. And one of the reasons why they wheel me out on this first session of the of the KLS school, because primarily it's all run by Bryony and Nathan and kind of some of these guys. Um, they kind of pull it all together. Um, but I've had some experiences in my life which have have really helped me to understand the process of encountering the presence of God, and. Um, you know, when I was quite younger, uh, a few years ago, I, I read this scripture and I preached on it yesterday. It's a good word if you get on the Lighthouse website on Exodus thirty-three eleven. But it talks about how inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. You know, I read that many years ago. And I thought, man, that is, you know, I, I hear from God. I do hear from God. And uh, I, I'm becoming more and more convinced about his purposes for my life. And probably, like, my old life has, like, gone now. There, there is no going back. There is no kind of going back to the normal day job sort of thing. It's like I'm completely sold out. This is, we're heading headlong into the purposes of God. But. Speaking to the Lord, to God, to, to the living God, face to face as a man speaks to his friend. I find it provoking, you know. I find it like, I haven't done that yet. I haven't done that like if I would go out with Mike down the pub or something and we would sit across and we'd have a chat and we'd have a you know a little drink and he'd say something and I'd say something and we'd sell some stories and we'd... You know, and after a while, you, you would communicate and you would exchange information and you would, be, you would begin to understand more about the person. They'd understand more about you and some kind of intimacy would begin to grow in that way. 
Now, now, of course, I would say that there is an ins- intimacy between me and God. I really feel his fatherhood. He loves me. I, he's convinced me of that and all of that. But I still haven't got that face-to-face sort of communication uh, going. And I, I think it, God puts these provoking stories in the Bible because he wants us to go for it. Incoming. Is that God now? <laughs> Um, so you know we need to take those stories and we need to let them challenge our hearts and say look it's in the bible that therefore it's it's legal it's achievable we can we can go for it it's like when you see jesus doing stuff you know jesus uh took off his kingly robes didn't he and came down from heaven and and put on the form of a man he chose to limit himself completely to human form and yet he still healed the sick and raised the dead and cleansed the leper and and did exactly what he saw the father doing and said what he heard the father saying he had this kind of link and I think he modeled out actually what life should look like that becomes our ideal and I think these things are completely um, achievable and it's these encounters with God it's these times when we actually come into his presence that really begin to change us into a completely different person and uh, if you look through the pattern of the Bible, the Old Testament God has a habit of picking people who aren't particularly well suited to the job you know he Almost always, it's the youngest person in the family. It's the least tribe. It's the one with the speech impediment. It's the one, you know, that was Moses, in case you didn't know. Um, uh, It's the one who's scared, Gideon, hiding. You know, he was a coward and he was like completely. And yet, you know, he picks these people. And through some encounter where the presence of God speaks, an angelic being comes and speaks, and there's some encounter with heaven that just changes them into a different person. Jacob, the swindler, kind of wrestles with God, doesn't he? And he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And just at the break of dawn, at the last minute, the last possible minute, which is always when God shows up, it's uh, like he, he blesses him. And Jacob becomes Israel and becomes the father of the whole nation of Israel and all the 12 tribes and, you know, becomes an incredible person. But this seems to be the way. And, and 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. None of us can boast in our own abilities. He chooses, I don't mean to discourage you in this, but he chooses defective people. You know, if you, for me, honestly, if I told you I, as a child or as a, as a young teenager, I was scared to death of speaking in front of people. I would literally make myself sick rather than do it. I, I, it, if I knew I had to stand up even in front of three people, I would have had a week's sleepless nights. I would have sweated. I would have 
literally been ill. I wouldn't have been able to eat for about three days. It was just painful. And yet, God t- picked me as someone who is, is kind of leading a church and has to speak to it. That was my destiny. How did I go from that to this? Well, it's through encountering his presence. It's through receiving a prophetic word that began to change me into a different person. So I'll tell you this story now. Now, some of you have heard this before, so you can nod off if you like. But no, that's what we say. You know, it's that prayer again. Open up our hearts to receive your love, was it, or something? Something like that. Uh, Open up our hearts because, you know, one of the main things that stops us from really... Uh, getting into uh, the presence of God and stepping into the promises is, is a kind of an over-familiarity in a way. It's a kind of, oh, we know what's going to happen now, you know. And therefore, uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You know, we need to always be expecting something new can come out of this. When, uh, when this church, the Lighthouse Church, first started, Heather and I both had uh, a word. And we weren't given to receiving words at the time. We were, I, I was a kind of a lowly uh, electronic software engineer working with Siemens. And Heather was a teacher and a mum. And we were, I think we were helping out with a house group at the time in, in the chapel in the valley, Baptist church. And, and one day we went to a, um, a meeting. And, and as we were coming back and got into the car, she turned to me and said, you know, I think God said something a bit strange to me today. And I said, be quiet. I know what it is already. There will be a new church in Lichitmatravis. Her mouth dropped open. She had exactly the same word. I mean, honestly, we nothing could have been further from our minds about a new church starting in a nearby village that we had no interest in whatsoever. But it got deposited in us. Anyway, we we went on. Then we be, there, there was absolutely no thought that it might be us doing the new church, by the way, at that stage. Uh, we just thought someone else was going to come and do a new church and we perhaps might join in or give it some money or help with the kids' work or something like that. But there began a journey. Once that word popped in, it seemed to activate something in us and we just went on this most chaotic little seven-year journey. Uh, the, the church we were in collapsed and, you know, through not terribly pleasant circumstances, we ended up kind of getting shot out and into another place. We were this little church for about 15 people for a couple of years and just saw some amazing things. And God took us on this journey. But all the while, this word, there will be a new church in Lichema Travers, just was there. It was annoying, you know. We didn't want to do it. We didn't know how to do it. We didn't know what it was going to be, but it would not go away. We were praying for the Lichimer Travers. We'd even kind of aligned ourselves. We'd moved the kids into the school at Lichimer Travers and were kind of getting involved. But it wouldn't go away. So in the end, I thought something's got to happen here. Seven years on, we either need to kick this into touch and get on with some good life or something's got to happen. And so we just kind of prayed, Lord, Please show us what's, what we need to do. And I, I was going up to a, um, 
meeting up in Shaftesbury Christian Centre. There were some sort of exciting evening meetings going there and they would pray for people on a Sunday evening. So I thought, I'll go up there. And I was just up by myself, I think. And uh, They were praying for people at the end of the meeting and this lady came and said, Phil, I can see bridges going out from you eastwards. And I'm thinking, eastwards? Lichmer Traveller is westwards. That is not eastwards. I think you've got that wrong, dear lady. And uh, anyway, she said, somewhere like Singapore or Malaysia or something like that. And I thought, what? You've definitely got that wrong. I am not going out there. Anyway, I travel home that evening and I get home and our good friend Andy Game is there. And he... Uh, is waving this leaflet. Phil, 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 I think we could go on this thing. It's called a School of the Prophets. It's how to hear God's voice. And it's in Malaysia. I said, oh, we could stay with my friends in Singapore and travel into Malaysia. And I thought, oh, no, I've been set up. I've been set up. But I couldn't deny it. And so we booked in on this two-week school. And... Um, Set off. Uh, I mean, it was it, that was complicated in those days. I tell you, there was no, not a lot of internet travel services and all of that sort of thing. You had to like go in a travel agent, and it was very expensive, and there was no kind of changing anything. And anyway, so we kind of booked this up. I took my two weeks leave at, from Siemens, and um, we we you know did quite miraculously got the money for the tickets and things like that. And uh, and just made our plans, and I was got got quite excited about it. Got accepted in on this school. About eighty people were on it from all over the world, and I think I was the only one who wasn't in full time ministry who was on the school. But anyway, we went, and uh, long long journey over there. Nice weekend in Singapore with Andy's rich friends who had swimming pools and things like that. But then we got on this bus to Malaysia and the journey really began. Oh, my days. It was like the bus had no suspension, no air conditioning. It was 40 degrees Celsius day and night. There was chickens flying around this bus and it was just going on for hours. And uh, and then eventually we pull into the place where we're going, Mua, uh, which is on the on the coast of Malaysia, and seriously, I, th- I think I named that place the armpit of the galaxy. As we rolled into this place, there were things crawling out of the open sewers, and uh, it was like, forgive me for those that have travelled widely abroad, but um, I had not at the time, and um, it, it, was, it was kind of very, very challenging. I thought, what have we come to? And then we arrived at the place, and, um, you know, I'm expecting some kind of four-star hotel, you know, type place. And we get there and it is like this tiny, tiny multi kind of floored thing. And we go in and there is no air conditioning in there. I am put in a bunk room with no windows with eight guys. That is seriously, you could put your hand out and touch the other guy across the room. It's like there's just about room to walk down the middle. And I thought I was going to die. It was so hot. It was so hot. In the end, they they did have mercy and said, oh, I think the Englishman may expire if we leave them in this room. (laughs) And so they moved us into one that had a bit of a window, you know, so it had a little bit of a draft coming in. 
But even so, a lot of people and all of that stuff. And we, and I thought, you know, everything was a challenge to me. A- absolutely everything. The food was a challenge. The heat was a challenge. The the smells were a challenge. It was. I, I was just very sheltered. I, you know, I've been through a lot worse since then. But anyway, we kind of got into it, and then we thought, never mind. The first meeting's coming up. It'll be all right, and we'll we'll get up there because God's going to move. He's going to teach me something. This the guy who was running this guy was a guy called Jonathan David, uh, and who's a prophetic voice in Malaysia. And and like we've we've known him for a number of years. He worked with Graham Cook, and they were on each other's board. So we had a a sort of a rough idea of of what he was about. But anyway, he gets up the very first thing and says, "Right, over this two weeks, I am not going to be prophesying over anyone at all." No, I need to know what to do. It's like I've come all of this way. I've come 4,000 miles across the blooming world to do this. And he says, no, it's for you to hear God for yourself. And so immediately my heart begins to sink. The, they said, we're going to have a time of worship this evening, which will last approximately four hours. <laughs> okay. And the worship team consisted of one little micro keyboard, sort of Bon Tempe sort of thing, which I think the person was playing with one finger, as far as I can. And a person with a bass drum and a snare. And that's it. And this bass drum was going the whole time. And everything in me at that time, I kind of went in all enthusiastic. What's God going to do? What's God going to do? But then as it all started... I started migrating <laughs> towards the back of the building, you know, and thought, oh, no, I can't stand this. This is awful. This is like, what have I done? I've spent all of this money. I've wasted all my holiday. I've like, and I can't get out. It's like it was like a five-hour journey on the bus or something. And I, I, uh, I, was, I was like beside myself. And this, this pressing in time. Just went on and on and on, and um, I just felt like a cultural fish out of water. It was like uh, I was desperate. Anyway, I got out. I'd got this phone card, and I phoned up Heather and said, Heather, (laughs) you're going to have to get onto the travel agent and book me back. I'm not going to be able to stay. I'm not going to be able to stand this for two weeks. You've got to get me home. And um, it kind of went quiet on the end of the phone, (laughs) and she said, don't you dare come home until you've got what you went for. Ooh. What? Actually, you know, the whole thing had cost us so much, not just financially. It had cost us. uh, Her her mum, who was helping us out with childcare and everything at the time, did not approve at all. She thought we were going to see a guru or something and uh, we'd wasted all this money and all this time and had almost threatened to break relationships. And, um, it, you know, it had cost us a lot to get to this point. She said, do not waste it. And I thought, yep, she's right. I'm not. Um, and so at that moment, I thought, OK, I'm here. I don't like it. It's hot. I don't like the food. I don't like the music. I don't like anything, actually. Um, But it's two weeks. 
It's two weeks and I think God wanted me to be here. I've got a feeling that God wanted me to be here. Therefore, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to position myself. I am the student. He is the teacher. I am going to fully embrace this process because what have I got to lose? Actually, what have I got to lose? So I don't like some of the things they were doing. I don't like the culture of some of the things they were doing. It's not, I wasn't like, you know, there wasn't anything dodgy going on or anything. It was, I just didn't like the culture of it. It, it didn't suit my flesh, you know. And I thought, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to get uncomfortable for a little while. But I've come here. And so at that point, I decided to die to myself and what I wanted and what I liked and what I preferred. I decided to just put that on the altar and say, I'm going to conform. And if he says stand up, I'm going to stand up. If he says jump up and down, I'm going to jump up and down. If he says shout, I'm going to shout because I'm going to position myself because Actually, of all the different things, although I didn't like the, the peripheral stuff, I could see in Jonathan David that this man could hear the voice of God. He could prophesy and he could clearly hear and see what the Spirit was doing. And I thought, I want that. I want some of that. I want a slice of that. And therefore, I'm going to position myself and I'm just going to come. So... I took my position at the back of the room. I gritted my teeth and I came right up the front and I decided at that moment that every time they did these pressing in meetings, three or four hours every night for two weeks, okay, no word, no teaching, no word of explanation at that moment. The teaching came from nine o'clock till five o'clock without the guy even pausing for breath. We, we, sometimes people would actually say, seriously, we need the toilet now. and Because uh, he would just go and amazing, amazing, amazing teaching. But that wasn't the center of what was going on. But the pressing in times in the evening, you know, I would actually come up and I would get right up the front. I'd be ready. And I thought, I don't care what, what the music's like. I can worship. Worship is not anything to do with my preference it's not anything to do with kind of what tickles my ears it's about me giving something to God and I know we're called to give a sacrifice of praise and a sacrifice costs something do you remember when David wanted to buy the threshing floor after the plague and he wanted to make a sacrifice and the the landowner said oh king king yeah of course you can have the threshing floor and he said no no I want to pay the price because I will not offer anything to the Lord which has cost me nothing. He knew a sacrifice had to cost. And the only thing that we're called to sacrifice in the New Testament is a sacrifice of praise. And a sacrifice costs in some way. So I would get up the front. I would be jumping up and down. I would be praying for people. And we had to laugh at one stage because... One, one stage they got us singing to one another, and of course, we, you know, I'm six foot one. Okay, the average Asian guy is about three foot nothing. You know, and so we're having to sing, "I love you with the love of the Lord," and we'd be singing it to each other. And I thought, no, he said, do it. I'm going to do it. I don't. It doesn't matter whether I don't like it. I do it, and I did every single thing. 
and I stepped into it. And do you know what? After a while, I began to enjoy it. <laughs> I actually began to get into the flow, of, and I began to look forward to these pressing in times. And I would think, come on, let's go. And sometimes we would sing in tongues for like an hour without stopping. We would just go for it. And something was beginning to come alive in me. Something was beginning to get activated. Now, at the end of the two weeks, and we're getting near the end, I'm thinking, well, this has been interesting. I've, I've kind of learned some stuff and um, I've had a reasonable time. But... The thing hasn't happened yet, you know. The thing that, that I came 4,000 miles to do hasn't happened. And something's got to happen. And I can remember the, the penultimate night. I, we went up for this pressing in time. And I thought, God, I need to meet with you. I, I, something's got to happen. I, I do, don't feel equipped to do the thing that, that you know, maybe we've got to do. And uh, so I, I went up into the press in time and started off as normal up the front, being compliant. And as we began to worship, it was funny. It was like it was quieter that night. It kind of the big bass drum had faded into the background a little bit. There was a bigger band now and we were worshiping. And I can remember just beginning to say the name of Jesus, 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 Jesus. And as I was doing it, the presence of God start, started to come physically on me. Okay, now, I, I'm not a big sort of faller over or any of that sort of stuff. But I could feel this presence coming upon me. And I could feel it on my face and on my lips and on my ears, on my nose. I, it's just like, like a slight kind of tingling and... I can remember Jonathan David had said during the week, you know, if God starts manifesting his presence to you, don't just start thinking, ooh, my hands are tingling, look. You know, it's like, actually, he's trying to woo your heart. Respond to him in worship. It, the manifestation isn't something in itself. It is what he's trying to do is capture your heart, and he's trying to commune with you. And so to worship, so I began to worship, oh, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. And the more I said it, the more this tingling started to... I mean, I was wondering whether I'd trapped a nerve somewhere or something. And, you know, I was getting pins and needles in everything. Or maybe I was having a stroke or... I don't know. But <clears throat> I was kind of moving around and thinking, no, this is all right. This is okay. And, and carried on pressing in. Just carried on worshipping Jesus. And, and after a little while, it became more comfortable to be lying on the floor than it was to be standing up. And I just lay down there and, oh my goodness, the, that, that presence just got stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger until every fiber of my body was like flowing with like an electricity. It, I can't describe it any other way. There's a bit at the end of Beauty and the Beast, for those that watch the cartoon, where he's swirling around with little lights coming out the ends of his fingers. It was just like that. It was just like that. And, you know, after a while, I, I became unaware of the building, of anyone else, of any sound, it was whether I'd nodded off or, you know, uh, but I was, I was like not there. And I knew in that moment, I, I, 
I sort of thought about it afterwards, but there's that scripture that says, you know, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And I, I thought, you know, you don't feel like that most of the time, do you? <laughs> you feel firmly rooted down here. But suddenly I thought, ah, oh, my body has been deactivated with about 10,000 volts of electricity. And suddenly I'm realizing that my spirit is seated with Christ in the heavenly places and he is there. And actually the heavenly places are here. It's just that my spirit isn't aware of it a lot of the time. Anyway, so kind of a few things go on and I, I, I see a little picture and God speaks to me in, in a certain way. Nothing kind of profound that needs saying here. And then after a while, I, I sort of become aware of this pulsating again going through my body. And it's kind of, sort of like I'm coming to in a way. I've like been a little bit unconscious for a while. And uh, I've become aware of this kind of pulsating and buzzing and I kind of open an eye and look around and there's no one in the room. <laughs> they've, they've literally gone. They've, the, the meeting has long since finished and I'm there and Andy Game's there. He's still praying. And also this amazing pastor from Papua New Guinea, Pastor Suckling, who is just praying me and what I would call now like soaking prayer. You know, he's like just praying and blessing what is going on in my body. He could tell something was going on. And I kind of get up and think, oh, my goodness, something has happened. Something serious has happened. I have not experienced this before. And I have met with God, and it is extraordinary. Anyway, I, I kind of get up, and I go over to Andy and sort of, like, go to lean on him and literally just touch his shoulder, and he collapses completely under the power of God, goes into this most extreme intercessory birthing prayer which was quite alarming when you watch it quite funny as well and uh and then later we kind of he, he kind of come he gets up again and says andy i think you know something's happened so we've god's on the move he's doing something here and we go downstairs and we get into the uh, little refectory area where everyone's kind of writing a few postcards back to mum and bognor and all of this sort of stuff you know and people having toast and jam and sitting in little groups around this refectory and I go over and I'm sitting with these group of uh, Kiwis who were on the course and um, Andy's engaging there. I can't really speak because I'm so overcome with what's happened. And at one point I just kind of again reach out and put my hand on Andy's shoulder and the second I touch him, the entire room simultaneously breaks out into the, this most outrageous laughter you have ever heard loud together. No one's watching. No one's watching me. No, I am like invisible. It's like it's just... Anyway, and suddenly Jonathan Davies comes rushing in saying, be quiet, be quiet. Everyone go to your rooms. And, uh, because actually uh, it's an Islamic state, Malaysia. And if you get any complaint, none of the none of the windows have glass in. They're all kind of open um, to let the air come through and everything because it's hot all the time. And um, they can get shut down if someone complains and uh, they'll be just banned. So we all went and had to bite our tongues. The Holy Spirit was on us and this incredible joy was getting released in us at that time. The whole whole school and no one really knew what was going on but anyway the next day I thought I was going to get in trouble because obviously you know 
he wasn't best pleased when he came in. He was cross. And I thought, well, it was the last day. I could hardly get expelled, could I? <laughs> but anyway, he came in. And the first thing he said when he was going to begin his teaching was, I hear one of the Englishmen has had an encounter. Would he care to come and give testimony? And um, yeah, I got up and began to say what had happened. And I, I was the only one of that 80 people that this happened to in that, in that meeting. It was odd. It was very strange. It wasn't like a typical, you know, what you might call a Toronto meeting where everyone's rocking and rolling and, you know, and all of that stuff. It was just like he came on me. And anyway, um, I got up and just began to say what was happening. What time's lunch, by the way? Oops. Okay, five minutes. Um, <laughs> we, can, we can do the encountering bit tonight. Um, I began to give testimony and say, uh, you know, just go through what had happened and how it had related to some of the teaching and stuff like that. And um, as I did, of course, it all starts happening again. It, the presence of God just starts coming as I begin to retell the story. It's like it reactivates the same thing in me again. And then afterwards, Jonathan David gets up and said, I know I said that I wasn't going to prophesy over anyone, but as I've heard this testimony, the spirit of prophecy has come on me, and now I have to discharge it. And so they kind of sat me down in a chair and um, began set little tape, cassette tape. It was in the days of tapes, you know, where you put your pencil in the thing and wind it up. And... Um, set that recording and he began to prophesy about a 25 minute prophecy and you know he I through the two weeks I think I, I was secretly hoping that he would prophesy over me and kind of give me a few keys as to at least going home and so I'd been purposefully evasive with him as to what I did and what our plans were what our hopes were at the word about Lichmer Travers and he just began to speak over me and he, uh, and he began to describe my house my wife, my kids, the extension that I'd built on the back of the house, uh, the place where we'd prayed, uh, the vision and the dreams that we had. He just began to open up. It's kind of like what we might call reading your mail. You know, it's a, in, in a prophetic word, it's kind of what authenticates what someone's saying over you. It kind of gives you that, it makes your heart open up. It's like treasure hunting, you know, when you, you get the person with the right clothes under the right sign, with the right name, with the right date of birth. Oh my goodness, God's talking to me. Well, so then you can speak in. Well, then he begins to prophesy and say, okay, you know, this is your ordination day. This is God is setting you apart for the work of ministry. And you've been looking for someone else to come and do this thing, but God is saying it's you. It's you. You, you're the one. You've got to do it, and you've got to set your hat, your your shoulder to the plow now and begin to work. And and though your beginning may be quite small, the latter end is going to be very significant. And you know, he just kind of prophesied a whole load of stuff in there. And and you know, I came back from that thing just a different person. I came back a completely different person. We had, a, we had a group of about 15 people that were meeting around our house uh, at the time. And I came back and I said, look, I feel like God has said to us that we are to be church, not to pray for church, not to wait for church, not to... 
but we are to be church and and we are going to begin and if you're uh you know anyone who wants to come along that's great and of course everyone said yay about time too they've been waiting for me to to sort of catch up but you know i always joked i went out there as a software engineer and came back as a minister of god it's like something happened on the inside god through encountering his presence changed me into a different person just literally rewired who i thought i was i had a revelation of him and i thought oh my goodness he's real i mean that's that's let's get honest about this because you know for a lot of my christian experience i hadn't had any experience of his presence and it was a belief pattern that i had i don't know if i very firmly held belief pattern i believed in him i was i was a committed christian but i'd never experienced him and now i had and so suddenly there's this kind of confidence that begins to rise up in who he is and it changed me into a different person completely and we kicked off and you know the rest is history really that was 20 20 years or so ago and uh So we say all of these things because I think there's some keys in the way that you approach this week. Because you can come with all your preferences and your likes, your dislikes and your, uh, oh, I don't do hands. I, I I don't do standing up and I don't do this or whatever. You can have all of those things and you can, you're very free to, to hold them and, and to do all of that. But I would encourage you, from, from my experience, some of the good stuff happens as you push your own boundaries a little bit and as you put yourself into a place where you're not holding back. You're not, uh, you know, you go a little bit further in worship. You sing a little bit louder. You perhaps, you know, be a little bit bolder or something. This is the week to do that. Kind of like we've got five days at the end of it. We promise not to remind you of anything you've done. Okay? (laughs) What happens in KLS stays in KLS. You can go for it. You can dance. You can wave flags. Mind the lights because they they are a bit low. Uh, You can sing. You can prophesy. you You can go for it. And I would encourage you to do it. I would encourage you to step out, you've got to decide in your heart, where do you want to go? Do you want something different to happen? Do you want to move on from the place that you're in? And if you do, it's a mental attitude. I'm going there. I am going to encounter the presence of God. And, you know, as for me, I mean, it doesn't have to be on the last night, but it could be. And, and it's all about mental attitude. It's all about, I don't care that it's not happened. It might happen tomorrow. I am going to position myself in order to hear from him, to experience him, and to begin to flow in the things of his spirit. It's about positioning yourself. And so I would encourage you to do that. Okay, Heather's hovering like she wants to say something. Do you? No, I'm done. What was that last scripture, um, which says, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter 
into the things of the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. There is something about not being so grown up. Yeah, yeah. very good. So we're going to do um, a brief activation together. And by that, I mean we're going to do something about what we've just heard from Phil. Okay. Because otherwise we can have a tendency to go, oh, oh, that was interesting. And it not actually engage something in us. So would you like to stand for a moment? Because you have sat still beautifully and really, <laughs> really, really listened to that story. So I could almost guarantee that already this morning in the first three hours, more than one of you would have come in, looked around the room, thought, I wish I hadn't done this. I don't think I'm going to be able to stand this for a whole week. What, with these people? Like Phil did. It's just a little bit of a culture shock. <laughs> um, so I want to say that to dismantle that straight away. It's all right. It's okay. All that is, is judging books by their covers. Do you see what I'm saying? Because in every single person in this room, there is amazing stuff, exciting stuff, powerful stuff that's going to happen. And if you can get over yourself and get over everybody else, not worry about what age, what they look like, whether they're from your background or not then you can position yourself for something to happen, all right? And so what I want us to do is two things now, very briefly. The first is between you and God. And if it helps to step away from somebody so they can't hear what you're saying, step away now into some space so you can say something out loud to God. All right, get in a space where you can talk to him out loud just for a few moments. And I want to give you an opportunity in just, just for a minute or two to tell him really why you're here. Really honestly to express desire, okay? I'm going to count to three and we can all do that out loud at the same time. So if you're talking, you can't hear anyone else. But it's important you say to him these things because it puts a stake in the ground, okay? So Father, hear our hearts now as we pray. One, two, three, go. Father, we want to meet with you in our presence, Father. We need to deal with our hearts, realign our hearts, to engage our hearts, our eyes, 
This series of our engagement with you. In Jesus' name. We don't just want to have a nice week. We don't want just to get a bit better or know a bit more. I want to encounter the reality of your power and your presence, Father. I'm just saying it. I'm putting it out there, God. Hear our prayer. And now the second thing is to break over an embarrassment barrier. It's really important that we break over embarrassment barriers. So I want to invite you now. Oh, thank you, Judah. I want to invite you now to look across the room. Oh, it's okay. You want some help? Granddad's going to help. Here he is. I want you to look across the room and spot somebody you have no idea who they are. And I would like you to walk over to them and ask them what they want to have happen got to be really brief no no long stories please what do you want to have happen and then pray for them that that happens all right and do that for one another in a pair reciprocate ask them what they want to happen and pray for them ready steady go someone who you don't know Has anybody not found anyone yet? Michael. Michael needs someone. Thank you. Increase our hunger, God. Just do it briefly, doesn't have to be long, and then swap. It can just be one sentence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah.
Just bless what you're doing, Holy Spirit. We bless what you're doing. Okay, so if you just bring your prayers to a close now. Um, if you haven't finished, then by all means, do just sort of wrap up. Don't, don't sort of feel you've got to finish dead. Um, we're going to um, move to lunchtime now. Um, so when the kitchen are ready, they will open the hatch um, and it'll be time to get lunch. But, but use this opportunity now to go and take a quick loo break um, and get yourself refreshed in that way before the food is served. Enjoy your lunch. So we're going to um, say grace, or maybe just sing grace, because I've had my arm twisted. So I don't know whether you know um, any of these songs, but, um, but I'll, I'll pick one. I, this is how I call my children to dinner. So um, I start by singing, God is great, God is good, we're going to thank him for our daily food, we're going to thank him morning, noon and night, we're going to thank the Lord with all our might, amen. 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 Brilliant. Well, we have got some delicious food that's just been uh, delivered. 
We've got uh, beef lasagna and we've got a uh, butternut squash risotto, which is gluten and dairy free. Uh, what I'm going to ask is if you have special dietary requirements, if you're dairy free, gluten free, veggie, if you could come up first and they'll serve you. And then we're going to open the door here and make our way over to the tables in the tent. And when you've finished, if um, each table could stack up their plates and stuff, that would just help us clear a little bit at the end. We'll all uh, do that, but enjoy some very delicious food. So yeah, gluten, dairy-free, veggie, vegan, you head straight to the, straight to the hatch. <laughs> 